That song always brings me back to a specific Sunday years and years and years ago, over 35 years ago. And it was one of the times that my parents uh, asked me to go to church with them. I wasn't living for God at that time. And just, you know, so you can get them to stop nagging you, you go. And I said, I was sitting in the back row, because I love to sit in the back row. I was sitting in the back row, and they got to the end of the service, and that was the song that was playing. That was the song, the congregational song they were singing. And I was standing back there, and I wasn't singing, because I couldn't sing those words. Then the pastor got up, middle of the song. This is a Baptist church, man. They don't mess around with the schedule. They don't do stuff like that. And he took the microphone and he goes, if you can't sing that, you need to deal with that. If you can't sing that, then you need to deal with that. And he goes, and we're going to sing it again. I went, oh, great. (laughs) Wonderful. And I spent the rest of that song standing there, not singing it. Because I wasn't a liar. I wasn't a fake. I wasn't playing any games. Now, it still was quite a while, quite a while before... I yielded before before I repented, before I gave in. But every time I hear that song, it reminds me of the beginning of the end. It was that, it was one of those times where God was dealing with me. If you can't sing that song honestly, then I encourage you to deal with it. Because you have to be able to, you have to be able to sing that song. You have to be able to, sw- to, to sing, say those words. And if you can, not, here's what we're going to do. Guess what? We're going to sing that again. I don't want anybody looking around going, I surrender all. But I wonder who can't sing it. So I encourage you to close your eyes, please. Or at least just don't look around. Let's sing that again, please. Now here's the thing about that song, too. Is it's I surrender all. I surrender all. And, you know, it's, it's easy to, to say, well, I surrender the things I don't want to do. I surrender the things I don't like. That's easy. But, but they, they went and had him write the words, I surrender all. I surrender all control. I surrender all manipulation 
I surrender all. Fill in the blank. I surrender all. I surrender all except that sin that I don't want to give up. I surrender all except that part of my life. This part of my life. If there is I surrender with any but, you got to deal with that. Because here's the deal, you're not fooling God. And really, most people don't know about what it is that you're dealing with, what you're, what, what you're struggling with. And you're not, but you're not, feel, you're, not, you're not fooling God. You might be fooling yourself, but you're not, you're not fooling God. That all, I surrender all, man, that just messes with me still. Because I'm standing over there going, all. <laughs> Do I actually surrender all? I'd like to say I do. Until, until. And why don't we surrender all? Why, why don't people surrender all? Well, it's based on fear. Fear of loss of control. Fear that maybe God doesn't have an answer to this thing, so you've got to keep this one thing, and you've got to keep control of this thing, and fear that God won't, call, won't pull through for you when you need him most so you got to make sure you're at least in control of that area that situation that problem whatever it is but he literally wants you to surrender all he wants me to surrender all i got stuff i got stuff i'm a human being just like you i'm just not going to talk about it But I am honest before God and say, you know what, God, I really want you to take care of this. I really want to let go. I do want want to surrender this. I don't don't have all of the ability. I I, I still, I think I surrender it, and then I get into that situation, and then I pick it back up again. But Father, I really do want to surrender all. But I need your help. You can be honest that way. I want to surrender all, but I need help. Help me, Father. And praise God, he's, he's there to help. But it's that fear thing. It's, 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 it's because of fear that we don't surrender all. And Linda came up to me just before I walked up, and she had a verse, a Bible verse. Um, Isaiah 41.10 Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. For I am your God, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. So he will help us. Amen. <laughs> and hands. He helps. He helps. You can literally, you can literally trust him and surrender all. I'm gonna I'm gonna reference something that I'm pretty sure about a third at least of this room will have no idea what I'm talking about. But the other two-thirds are going to laugh. The Nesty Plunge. You old people. 
For you young people, the Nestea Plunge was a, an ad campaign where somebody drank Nestea and they just relaxed and they fell backwards into a pool, into a pool of water. And they, but they just, they surrendered all to Nestea. Give me a break. But that's what, that's what God wants us to do. He just wants to, okay, I surrender all. And then, and then know that God's going to catch us. So I want to have you sing this song one more time. Just knowing that you can trust Him, that you can can believe Him, that He's going to catch you, that He's going to take care of it. Surrender all. Whatever is causing fear in your life, whatever you feel like you have to control, whatever you feel like is out of your control, but you've just, you can't. Let's sing this again. And just purpose and ask Him, help me, Father. Help me. Help me. Help me to let go. Help me to to surrender all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do surrender. Lord, because we we can't solve this stuff anyway. We can't sort this out anyway. Only you can. And we trust you, Lord. We release. I release the authority in that in my life into that area that that has been trying to keep me in bondage keep us in bondage father i release this congregation lord that those things that try to keep us in bondage we release those the control of that and we trust you father we surrender to you we surrender to your love we surrender to your grace We surrender to You. And Father, You help us. Help us, Lord, to walk in that peace, to walk in that joy, the joy of our salvation. Father, I pray that as we let those things go, we, we return to the joy of our salvation. That salvation is supposed to be full of joy. And if it's not, there's something wrong. We're doing it wrong. But Father, we surrender the control. We surrender our will. We surrender our pride that tries to keep it all for ourselves and we'll we'll take care of it. It's into your hands, Lord. It's into your hands. We commend our lives. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Turn with with me in your Bibles to Philippians. Philippians. Today I'm actually going to get to share the the giving message. And uh, I... uh, It's not my usual give... That's what I usually say when is when I have to do it. Give, just give, make it happen. But I'm going to share just a little bit here. Philippians chapter one, Philippians chapter one, beginning with verse thirty-one, says, "I thank my God in all in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel." from the first day until now. So Paul is writing to the Philippians and he's thanking them 
for their partnership. He's praying for them. He's thanking them. And I do that. I do that all the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I pray for you. I pray that God's blessings are poured out on you. Uh, this church is a giving church. This church is a, this, this church gives. And it's not, not because we are, we twist arms. It's not because we, we coerce. It's not because we manipulate. It's because we give you the word. Here's what the word says. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what God says. And you can do accordingly. You can do accordingly. You know, we, uh, we, uh, uh, just got done singing, I surrender all. And, and, and some things that people have trouble releasing, trouble releasing control of is money. So surrender all. No, no, I did. That's not what I, that's not what I'm going. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that that is an area of your life where you have to surrender that to God. I have to, I had to surrender that to God. You know, growing up, uh, we, we were, I, I always thought we were poor. I always thought we were destitute. I, I, we, we didn't have anything. And whenever I wanted to do something, I was told, you know, we, we can't afford that. We don't have the money for that. Well, the thing is, there's more than enough money. As long as you do use it right. Money is a tool. Money is something that, and, and when you use it the way God leads you to use it, He's going to give you more. Well, thank you, Pastor Dan. That was encouraging. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll preach to you now. Here, here's the deal. But yeah, I already know you're a giver. So, I, but here's the deal: when when we do it God's way, there's more than enough. Amen. There's all. Thank you. Glory to God. Can you come sit up here? I, you know, I just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying is, is that as we surrender. We, we, we allow Him to lead us and guide us, and, and then we're able to do everything that God wants to do. But Paul says, thank you for partnering with us. He wasn't saying, he wasn't standing up there going, hey guys, uh, here's my monthly newsletter, letter, I need more money. Send me some money. Send me as much money as you can because, uh, food's scarce here in the prison. You know, I'm in prison. <sighs> I'm in prison for you, you know, because I was preaching to you and, and I, you know, and oh, he wasn't giving him a sob story. He was praying and saying, every time I pray for you guys, he's in prison. He's going, every time I pray for you, I get excited. I'm so happy. I'm full of joy. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with me. There's a lot of ways to partner. There's a lot of ways to partner. It isn't just money. Partnering is, is obviously, absolutely prayer. Praying for the ministry. Praying for the vision of God. Praying for what He's doing. Uh, another part of partnering is helping. We have people that every single week help. If you look around the building, just walk, someday walk around as you walk in in the morning, as you come in from the, from the road, as you come through the building, as you worship and as you go home, hopefully you took your kids with you, you see all of the different areas where people are helping. They're partnering with the ministry. If you don't partner with something, that means you're not a part of it. Interesting. You want to be a part of something? Partner with it. You want to be, you want to be a part of a family? Then, then be a part of the family. And how does the family, how do you be a part of the family? You, you contribute. You contribute time. You contribute effort. You contribute life. You contribute uh, emotion and, and, and relationship. That doesn't change when we move over to the body of Christ. It, it's, they, he, they were partnering with Paul, not just financially, but they're praying for him. They're caring about him. 
Who knows? They might have been writing letters encouraging him, hey, we're thinking about you. You know, if you're ever in a situation where you're struggling, you're hurting, and, and things are horrible, you just have one person send you a text and say, hey man, I was just praying for you. I really care about you. That can lift your whole day. You just partnered with that person. You partner with them and help them carry that load, the load of their day. And when you partner with people, it's going to cost you something. When you part, when I partner with somebody, it's going to cost me something. Years ago, many, many years ago, there was our, our missionaries that, that we supported for years and years and years. Dan and Marta Lewis in, in Hungary. The Holy Spirit told me, help them do fulfill their vision. Help them fulfill their vision. And it cost me time. It cost me money. It cost us work. And some of that work was hard. But it's going to cost you something. If it doesn't cost you anything, then you're not partnering with. If you're you're not being a partner with this ministry, and if 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 you're not investing something, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about time and effort and and emotion and love and, and, and whatever God leads you to be a part of, if you don't partner with us, then... You're a spectator. That's not a slap on the wrist. We love you. Keep coming. You'll get it. It's better to be a part of it than to just watch it. And I, keep, I, I reference back, and I say this in a lot of different situations to, with a lot of different people. Years ago, years and years and years ago, we had, we had somebody who came in, was their very first Sunday. Afterwards, they walked up to me and they said, hey, can we talk to you? We, you know, we really like this church, but can we, can we talk to you? We want to talk about doctrine and you know, where you're coming from and vision, all that kind of stuff. So I said, sure. So we went out for lunch, or not, we went out for coffee, and we had coffee, and we're sitting talking, and I heard a little bit about them, and I told them about our church. I answered, asked their, answered their questions that they were asking, and so on and so forth. And uh, they were very articulate. They were very, you know, asked really good questions, and we just had a really nice conversation. And they said, "Well, I think that's all that we were, wondering, you know, wondering about." And they said, and I, and I said, "Can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question?" I said, "When you first came here." What was it like for you? What what did what did you see? What did you hear? What did you feel? How, when because I because I come here every week. I most I come here every day. I'm always here. The building smells like it always. You know you notice how if you when you walk into somebody else's house it smells. You got, there's a smell. Most of the time it's good. Hopefully it's good. But uh, do, does your house smell? I don't know. I don't know if my house... I, I walk into my house, I'm so used to the smell, I don't know what it smells like. Now, my wife, knowing my wife, it smells good. But I'm just used to it. I, you see it all the time. So I asked him, I said, what did you see when you came here? And he goes, that's a really good question. Let me think about that for a second. He sat there and he pondered it. And he goes, here's, here's what it was like. He says, when we walked in the door, he says, people greeted us and greeted us and they were talking and people were laughing and people were sitting, having a conversation. They, they worshiped together and afterwards they had coffee and everybody. And he says, what it felt like was that we walked in on somebody else's family reunion. He says, it's like we walked in on somebody's family reunion, but we don't know how to become part of the family. So we worked on that. We've worked on that. 
You know, it's been years since that conversation. But how do you, how do you become a part of somebody else's family? You, you get involved. You become part of that family. With that, you know, what does that mean? That means if they're having a meal and they invite you over, you go. You don't go, you don't go, no, 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 I, I don't want to eat your food. Well, no, they want to, they want you to eat their food. If they give you permission to go in the candy cupboard. Yeah. You just, what do you do then? From then on, you just go in the candy cupboard. Tally, you haven't had a party at our house in a long time. Where's Tally? I miss these guys. I have to eat all the candy. It's not a good thing. It's just not a good thing. But then if, you know, and it was, <laughs> every once in a while, all the, your friends would come over and all these kids are hanging out and doing whatever they're doing. And, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I remember, I need to load something in my truck. And I would say, hey, you four big strapping young men, come out here and help me lift this into my truck. And they did it. Why? Because they were partnering with me. And they can have more candy after that. It's fine. <laughs> or pizzas or whatever else was, you know, whatever they want. They're, we're a part of it. But it, it, there's, sometimes there's work. Sometimes there's stuff to do. Sometimes there's a need. And you can partner in different ways. But you need to be led by the Holy Spirit because for some people, it is money. It's the way they can help. I mean, I know some people who have told me my, my calling in the, in, the gift, in, the, in the kingdom of God is to give, is to make a lot of money and give. And they do. That's wonderful. Now, they do other stuff too. See, that's the thing. You know, you know, it's not just about, they, they, they're a part of the kingdom. They're part of what's going on. But we need partners. Here's the exciting thing. A number of months ago, I talked about RVFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, and RVFM is is the overall organization over all the churches, and and we now are working on our seven seventh church, and 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 we're in that process. And I shared that shared the vision, shared about how we got here and why we do it, and I and I shared you can start to give towards RVFM. We we need people to partner with that vision, the overall vision, the big vision. It costs money to do what we're doing. And if you want to, if, it's, if God leads you, then we can, you know, if you want to give to that, to this ministry, RVFM, just when you send it in, just put in your note, RVFM. Since then, we have actually received, I believe, three different checks, three different uh, uh, offerings from individuals, two of which I've never heard of before. I have no idea who they are. They're obviously watching us online. Thank you. It's like, I'm like, they, who, they, somebody gave that much money? I mean, it's some, it, sometimes it's a good amount of money. You know, how much is a good amount of money? A buck is a good amount of money if you need it. But it's a good... It's a good amount. So, and, they, and I was like, really? I said, from our church? Because I, I don't ask people, oh, what, what did Wayne give? I never ask, what do people give? And I said, were they from the church? And they said, no, I, they, they came in, a, in, a, in an envelope in, in the mail. I said, really? Do we know them? And, they, and she goes, nope, I've never seen the name before. It's like, glory to God. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you. That's what this is all about. We, we do what God leads us to do. I don't know how God led them. I, I don't know them. But they chose to partner with. 
And we need that. We need partners. We need partners as a ministry, but we need partners as individuals. I need, I need, I need people to just partner with me. You need people to partner with you. And how do you get people to partner with you? <gasps> you sow seeds of partnering. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to give this morning and beyond. Thank You for everyone who gives, Lord. Thank You for those who give online, those who give, uh, who watch online and we've never even met. We thank You for them. Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name. Thank You for all that You do through us, Lord, and in, in, in us. And we thank You, Father, and bless this offering today and it will meet every single need that it's set forth to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. And you can give all the usual ways, the box, the mail, the stop in and see Pastor Greg, or whatever the fourth one is. Mail it online. Online, yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. All right, now to the meat of the day. Turn with me to John chapter 14, beginning with verse 11. We've been doing, this is I think the second and a half week of a series. I introduced it in the middle or at the end of a sermon a few weeks ago, and then I shared last week the the intro, the beginning. We're going to pick up in John chapter 14, verse 11, and we're talking about what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? God needs us to do something about what He's called us to do. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 11, says... Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus is talking to His disciples. It's the, it's the Last Supper. He's sharing His last thoughts as He's heading out. And He is He is sharing with them, this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to be. And He says, and, and he's saying, "I'm going to be going now, and I'm going to be. I'm going to, then I'll come back." And they don't know how he got. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? Where are you going? And when are you coming back? And he says, "Guys, you don't, bottom line, you don't understand what the plan is here. The plan is Jesus came. He was on the earth for 33 years. Three years he ministered publicly. He showed them what the kingdom was. He showed them how to get into the kingdom. He showed them how to be a part of the kingdom, how to partner with the kingdom. And then he said. I'm out. I'm going to be leaving. I have to go do one more thing, and then I, then it's your deal. And he died. He died the next day. And then three days later, he rose again. Spent 40 more days going, now do you get the picture? Do you see what's going on here? Does everybody understand? And at the end of that, he got taken up into heaven, and they all stood there and went, huh. And he had to send three, a couple of angels down. Why are you looking up into the sky? Get to work. Get to work. And the Bible says that Jesus went and he sat down. Jesus sat down. Why did Jesus sat down? Because his work was done. He did what he was supposed to do. Now whose turn is it? Amen. It's ours. It's our turn. We have to, we have to walk this out. So he's, this is that part of the conversation. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. The greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If he, if we're doing his will and we're, we're allowing him to lead us and guide us, we will ask for things that make a difference. We will ask for souls. We will ask for uh, areas. We will ask for opportunities of ministry. We will ask for wisdom. We will ask, we will ask for healing. We will ask for healing for people. We will ask for healing for ourselves. We will ask for provision. We will ask for, we will ask for the things that matter. And he's not up there going, Oh gosh, really? You guys need more? Really? You guys keep asking me for more. Gosh, you're so ungrateful. No, he's up there going, Hey, they want more. Send more. It's limitless. It's limitless. I got all the healing you need. I got all the healing you need. You don't need to, it's not gonna, you're not gonna run out of healing today. We're not gonna run out of healing this month. We're not gonna run, we're not having to have a fire sale because we're getting low on healing. Healing's coming. It's all, it's yours. Just take it. Take it. No, 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 God, I don't need it. I know I'm just suffering so I can learn something. That's stupid. Don't do that. Did Jesus ever tell anyone? Is it recorded anywhere in the Bible where Jesus looked at somebody who was asking for healing and went, no, you haven't learned everything you need to learn yet. Not once. It says He healed all. He healed all. All. Even when, even when they were, you know, goofy stuff. Oh, they want me to pay a tax. All right, well, just go. There's a fish down there. It's got a coin in its mouth. Go pay the tax. Fish. Go fishing. Hallelujah. <laughs> the answer. The answer to our problems is go fishing. It was his job. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Pastor Greg corrected me. There. He says it was his job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go to go to work. You need provision. Go to work. Get a job. Get a job. You're welcome, parents. You're welcome. <laughs> but what are you going to do about it? See, everything that you know, everything that Jesus told you know did, and everything he tells his disciples are okay. Now it's your turn. The great commission, the great commission isn't isn't sit and watch what I'm about to do now. I'm going to bring the nations in. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to I'm going to send angels to let people know they need me. No, he didn't say that. He said, "Go. You go. You go into all the world." He didn't say, "You guys, you guys can't do this. You, you don't you're not able to. You're you're too weak. You're too you're too dumb. You're too you're too uh, you know, you're just poor and, and wretched horrible souls and you know and I and I'm going to have to send more more angelic beings who will carry the gospel to the no he said you smelly fishermen go out there and tell them and the beauty of it was when the when the religious people of the day saw this happening they're going aren't these unlearned men they didn't get a doctorate degree you know between those 40 days he says, aren't these unlearned? 
Just regular people? Who do they think they are? You know, they're not scribes. They're not Pharisees. They haven't studied their whole life. Who do you guys think you are? Well, you realize they've been with Jesus, right? Guess what? You've been with Jesus. You could be, you've been with Jesus. We were just with Jesus. We're still with Jesus. We're with Jesus. I woke up this morning with Jesus. I'll go to bed tonight with Jesus. I'm driving down the road with Jesus. And I'm listening to Him. I'm allowing Him. I'm surrendering all. I'm doing all. I'm doing the stuff. I'm doing what I need to do. So when the opportunity arises, I can do the things that He did. You mean you can pray for a man with a withered arm and it will grow out? Yes! I just heard a testimony this last week of a guy who was he was he had just gotten saved. He was helping out with a with a uh, with an outreach with a uh, a crusade, and they said, "Okay, well, okay, you guys pray for these people." He, they didn't say, "How long have you been a Christian?" Oh, you've only been a Christian for a week? No, not you. They, the guy didn't say he didn't he didn't single. He just looked at everybody and said, "You you guys you guys go out and pray for the people out in the crowd." And this guy said, I didn't know any different. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to be able to do this. I didn't know. Nobody ever told me that God doesn't heal anymore. He says, I just did what the guy said. I, 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 I got saved last week. I had only been saved for a week. He walks out there, and the first guy he comes to is a guy with a, with a short arm. And he goes, okay, well, I'm going to pray for him. And he's like, I can see. So he went and he grabbed the guy's arm, and the guy's arm grew out. Why? Because he didn't know any different. See, the thing is, we know too much of the world. And we need to replace that for what the Spirit says. That you ask me for anything. You ask me for anything. You ask me for anything and I'll do it. Well, what if it's not His will? Okay, let's just settle this. It's His will to heal. It's His will, it's, it's his will to heal everyone. 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 Jesus healed a bunch of heathens. If Jesus heals heathens, He'll heal you. He has healed you. What's the problem? We know too much of the world. The world says that doesn't work that way anymore. He's teaching. He's trying to teach you something. He's trying to blah, 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 blah. Ask anything in my name and I'll do it for you. But what do we have to do? We have to ask. We have to do something. Well, doesn't if, if God wants them healed, won't He just heal them? No. But isn't God sovereign? Yes, God is sovereign. Well, then He'll just take care of it. If God is sovereign... If he wants them healed, he'll just heal them and he'll get the glory for it. No, that's not how it works. You don't have somebody walking down the street and all of a sudden, boom, don't know, you know, and they're just automatically healed and they don't know what just happened and they're looking around. No, because healing is about bearing witness to what Jesus has done. He needs somebody to tell somebody, well, if, can he just send an angel down? Well, he probably could, but that's not what he's done. He is sovereign. 
What does sovereign mean? Sovereign doesn't mean that God does everything and you don't have to do anything. I am going to kick this spiritual cow so hard this week that if you have ever had that thought in your head ever, because see, I grew up hearing that over and over and over and over and over that God is sovereign, which means that He does everything. You can't do anything. You can't do you're a worm. You don't deserve it. It's by the grace of God He lets you breathe. That's wrong. That's a lie. It's not true. The truth is, you ask anything in my name and He'll do it. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. He has given you everything. He's, I, we haven't got to... Oh, we, let's get to that part real quick, real quick. See, I get ahead of myself. I get so excited. Turn to Revelation. <laughs> Revelation. Jason's in the back running the live stream, but every time I get to Revelation, if he's in the room, he always goes, Ooh, Revelation. <laughs> but this is a good part of Revelation. This is a great part of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, here's where John sees Jesus for the very first time, and Jesus is explaining to him who he is, because he, he, his, his revelation, when he sees Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is glowing, and Jesus has swords coming out of his mouth, and Jesus, you know, I mean, it's like, Wah! you know, I mean, it's the, this, this the wild crazy. And he says, when I saw him, Revelation 1.17, uh, John is saying this about Jesus, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Well, I would too. If I saw that, boom, I'm down. I surrender all, you know, I mean, I'm out. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and Hades. He goes, I have the keys to death and hell. I have the key. Why does Jesus have the gates of hell? Why does he have the keys to the gates of hell? He took them back, but why does he need them? Because he needs to stick, to get people out of there that were headed there. Because anyone who is not saved is automatically headed there. And we can save them out of that, but we have to have the keys to be able to do it. Well, he has the keys here. It says right here in, in Revelation 1, 7, uh, 17 or 18, he says he has the key. I have the keys of death and Hades. Now, turn over to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 15. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Here's that part again where Simon Peter just goes, man, he glows, man, this is good stuff. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will, shall not prevail against it. 
I, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and on whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He has given us the keys. He got the keys. He's given you the keys. You have the authority. <gasps> Here we are again. Authority. Authority. We spent tons of time on authority. Go back and listen to those because you've been given the authority. You as an individual, you as a person, you as a, it doesn't matter how good you are, how, how perfect you are, how, how pure you are if you've never made a mistake because he's given you grace. Oh, I love it. He's given you grace. He doesn't matter what you do. You still have the authority. You still have the authority of life and death. What you say on earth, He backs up. What you do on earth, He backs up. Will He do that in heaven? I'm sure. But we're here right now. we got to deal with this. He gave us the keys. Why? He doesn't need them anymore. Because He has the name above every name. He's already the highest. He's already got all the power. He's got, but he knows you need the keys. You need the authority. You need the ability. Whoever, you know, I, I was told way back when, when I first started working in factories, the guy who's in charge, the, the highest ranked person in the, in the building is the guy with the most keys. And I have found that to be true. Because you can get into every door. You can get in, you can get, you know, you can get in, you can unlock stuff. You know, they didn't give me a key. I had no authority. But he's, here's the thing. He's given you the keys. And not just the keys to the family car. He's given you the keys to heaven and hell. Life and death. He's given you the authority to use those things. And then, but yeah, but well, he's sovereign and so he'll just do it. No. That is a lie. He's sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. He is God. He is sovereign. But in his sovereignty... This is how he set it up. He said, I have decided to give you the authority. I've decided to give you the keys. I've decided to give you. Why did he do that? Why at the end of all of this, after the, after the ministry, after his death, after his resurrection, and here in this, in this revelation, he's, he's now giving us the authority because he originally gave us the authority. Go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. This is the creation. This is the beginning of everything. God's creating the heavens and the earth. He's creating everything that's seen. He's creating the stuff that you, that's around us. He's creating the, the land. He's creating the water. He's creating the animals. He's creating the, the, the vegetation. He's creating all the stuff. And he gets to day number 6, and he does this. Verse, chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Our image. Our. Is he schizophrenic? No, he's triune. He's a three-part being. He's a, he is a body, the Son. He is a spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he's the soul, he's the mind, he's the control. He's the Father. 
He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let's make man like us. Oh, I'm going to mess with you today. Here, hang on to your spiritual socks. <laughs> God created you like him. Do you agree with that? Everybody who agrees with that, raise your hand. God made you like him. Okay, like him. Awesome, good. Now don't raise your hand. Just let this one sink in for a second before you start shaking. Did he really make you like him? Yes. Adam and Eve were made like him. They were made with a body. They were made with a soul, with a, with a, governing, a governing ability to, to make decisions and make logical decisions and follow and move and, and, and do. And he made man with a spirit. But when man fell, their choice separated them from, man, from God. They, they were no longer in man, in God's image. The spirit died. And that's why we have to be born again. And when we're born again, that spirit comes alive because the connection, the, we reconnect with God. And when we reconnect with God, the Holy Spirit, it says that the Holy Spirit in come, comes and dwells in us and leads and gives us the ability to live this life again. And we have everything, everything, everything that we started out with in the garden. We have everything we had back then. What did we have back then? Genesis chapter 1. Let us, let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them have dominion. What is God God of? Everything. Everything, everything, everything. But He has given in the garden, He gave man dominion. What's dominion? What is a dominion? For those... Those homeschoolers. What's a dominion? You know, you just don't want to raise your hand. You know. Dominion means a place of reigning. Ruling and reigning. I have dominion. My house is my dominion. And my wife's. My pickup is my dominion. That's it. it? And my pole barn. My pole barn is my dominion. And you don't forget that young lady right there. He's he's given us dominion. He gave Adam and Eve dominion. That means they were to rule and reign over the earth. He said, what did He give them dominion over? He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, So God created man in His own image, and in the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them. And God blessed Male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. He said, fill the earth. He says, he says, you know, the two of you can only have dominion over the, you know, how far you can walk today or how far you can drive today or whatever. But he wanted the whole earth subdued. So he said, go make more of you. Go make more of you. And each one of you will have more dominion and more dominion and more dominion. But then what happened is a snake started talking to one of them and they gave in. And they believe the snake instead of believing God. They, they believe the lie instead of believing God. They believe that they're not like God yet. Isn't it? You're not like God. He, he said, let's, lay, let's make man like us. He made man like him. And he said, it's good, which means it's finished, it's done. He did it. He made Adam and Eve like him. And what does the, what does the snake say? The snake says, no, you're not like him yet. You just need one more part. And that was the first lie. And he's been lying to people ever since. And what's the lie he says to you? You don't have authority. You don't have grace. You're not good enough. You don't have power. You don't have faith. You don't, you, you know, you know, God's just trying to teach you something. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You're not sick because God's trying to teach you something. You're sick because Satan's trying to kill, steal, and destroy you. Jesus said, but, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Meditate on that this week. Go back to Genesis. Start there again. Just read that verse every day for for a while. He made you in His image. When you got born again, you are right back in the same spot as Adam and Eve. And immediately Satan is going to come and tell you, no, you're not like God yet. Just, you know, you're close, but not yet. He's lying. Stand, please. Father, help us. Help us, Father. To realize the truth, the, the truth of the Word of God that we are made in Your image. We are reestablished from, from that new birth, Lord. We are reestablished as dominion holders in this earth. You have given us authority over sickness. You've given us authority over lack. You've given us authority over need. You've given us authority over the principalities and powers. You've given us the authority. We have the authority. And there's nothing in this earth that can take that away. There's nothing in this world that can take that away. Uh, Romans 8 says there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the power of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the grace of God. There's nothing that can separate you. So Father, we thank You that You You've given us that authority. Now show us how to use it. Show us how to walk in it fully, Lord. And then give us opportunities to do so. In Jesus' name, amen.